0: Ladies and gents, to the Grim and Bloody Podcast. This show is a presentation of horror, thriller, and suspense, and is intended for mature audience. Join us
1: at your own risk.
2: welcome to another episode of the grim and bloody podcast a uh, happy horror everyone and may the fourth be with you it is may 4th i know we are a horror show but there's a few of us here that are sci-fi fans yes uh, i know uh, i got into it this year I just, someone told me that at a lumber supply store this morning and stuck with me it, it was the, the oddest thing ever uh, lumber guys like and, may the fourth be with
0: you and this is hey. right and you did it hey and you didn't turn a phaser on him? I mean what did you know what the <laughs> I love it. I
2: love it. Um let me go ahead and introduce my cohorts and then we'll introduce the guest uh with me Kevin Nicholson. How you doing Kevin?
0: I'm doing fine. Uh this whole, you know, May the fourth be with you. I'm a Star Trek fan. You know what? I say Captain Kirk gives a phaser and stun to every to Star Wars fan. He hey just, now. Take them out, you know. <laughs>
2: They're probably more Star
0: right? <laughs> that's Yeah, that's right.
2: Al Omega, host Creature Features. How you doing, Al?
0: I'm doing well.
3: Uh, I have some new stuff on the, uh, the the back burner that's coming forward. In two weeks, uh, everyone will get to see it. So it'll be exciting. You're actually going to share something with us? Not yet. Is that what you're implying? Uh, yes. Very soon, I'll share something with you.
2: Well, if this I'm will be yet. a first. I mean, stop the phone right there. Alamega is going to have something to share with us.
0: Is yeah. medication going to be required for this? <laughs> are, are we going to need to be shots inoculated?
3: Uh... Uh, it may look a little surreal at first.
0: Uh, <laughs> OK. You
3: know, so yeah, there, there is that definite option. And uh, in fact, I was talking to one of the co-producers about nudity. So, But we had to agree that I would not take my clothes off in order for him to be part of it. So, <laughs> um, But yes, okay. yes, it could be very interesting. Cool. Joe Flynn, how you doing, Joe?
1: Doing great. After that segue, nudity and all.
2: How can you live uh, up
0: to that, Joe?
3: Yeah, I can't.
0: This, I'm sorry. Even, I just say know. make Your sure... Your
3: came up when I was talking to this guy, so hey. I,
0: I just say make up. sure we all have our shots. That's all That's all I, uh, you know, all I can say. You know.
2: Joining with, with us tonight... You never know. <laughs> Joining with us is Eric Mathis, writer and director of the Macabre Anthology... That released Boom. last year um and the upcoming film the infernal did i get that right
4: you did yeah thank all you right so much for all me. right
2: and um so we have a lot to talk about today uh but thank you very much for uh coming on the show we appreciate your time here
4: yeah definitely i'm very excited i've been looking forward to this and i uh, already having a blast with you guys so looking forward to this
2: that's awesome that's awesome the best way we can have the show it doesn't even feel like an interview it just talks you know, it yeah. feels like Four or five you know schmucks sitting in a garage drinking beer just chatting about
0: horror that's really before we going after. before we go on though eric we should ask have you had your shots uh, i you
4: am I, I, I am feral so i would uh, i would have to warn <laughs> I to get to get to to to
0: okay <laughs> <laughs> i got a zoa then, then you're good with uh with us because we're all feral and uh you know and uh we bare our teeth every once in a while and uh I think uh, Anthony lifts his leg a time or two to, uh, you know, to relieve himself on air, uh, you know, that kind of I've thing. Had more than my teeth. <laughs> we have chew toys that we play with and all this ah! stuff. <laughs> all right.
3: All
2: right. Uh, I'll, I'll start it off. Eric, um, in looking at your work, um, I was uh, pretty fascinated with, uh, well, right off the bat, I'll, I'll just say this. Holy shit, you had Kevin Smith provide an introduction your Indiegogo campaign for the macabre. I mean, how the hell did you get that? Well, well let's just start there.
4: Yeah, I can't really take credit for that. Um, my partner, Drake Tear, um, you know, he's just awesome. And he comes out of left field with the most awesome random things. And one day, just super casual. He's like, hey, I got something. And I was like, okay, awesome. He's like, I think, I think it'll help the campaign. Um, I'll send it to you in a moment. And he emailed me. He's like, "Yeah, I got a, I got Kevin Smith to do an intro for." I was like, "What? You can't be that casual and just tell me you have a little something for?" Us. So yeah, he, uh, he reached out to Kevin. Um, you know, Kevin was doing some things where he was reaching out to the indie community, and you know, he does uh, a lot for indie film. Period. And mm-hmm. he just caught him at a good time and arranged that. And uh, yeah, we were just floored. So Kevin was really cool to hook us up with that
0: that's awesome you weren't at, you weren't at all like going kevin smith oh my god i'm not worthy
4: yes we i definitely was i was uh i think i was doing it for both of us cuz drake was all you know cool about it and just nonchalantly sent it to me so yeah it was it was a massive deal and i, I couldn't believe it
0: well that's uh that's awesome i i got to ask you on, I, I thought on your film, uh, The Macabre, you kind of touch on, uh, at least with the linking narrative, you kind of touch on bullying, and uh, I'm, just, I'm just wondering, is that, because that's something that's very prevalent and very much a real horror story for uh, many in school, and was that something that you kind of wanted to touch on, or was it just an afterthought
4: Yeah, you know, I think um, I think horror in general uh, as a genre and as a fan base, you know, I think we were all um, and I don't think I speak for just myself that we were all kind of the outcast and kind of experienced, you know, bullying in one way or the other. I know uh, I grew up in a small conservative type town and I liked heavy metal and monsters and everybody else liked football. And, you know, uh, Drake, he is autistic. And, uh, you know, I think he kind of had his dealings with, you know, some bullying and stuff like that. So yeah, I definitely think it was a, um, a good chance to kind of give voice to it. So it was um, definitely an artistic choice and a uh, and an expression. So it was definitely with intent.
3: Well, I'm glad to hear that. You know, you're right. So many of us had to deal with uh, bullying. And we're gonna talk about some more bullying a little bit later please
4: go on yeah definitely I think uh, I think um, when I reached out to Rolf Konefsky who uh, actually wrote the screenplay you know we had some uh, in-depth conversations about kind of what you know we what we wanted the stories to be and we kind of fleshed out each segment so um, I think he received uh, what we wanted really well and I think he did a great job on the on the the screenplay so I've have to also give huge credit to him for actually pinning it and putting it all on paper. So it was a collaborative effort, and I think it, I think we all were on the same page, and it, it it really turned out well and and came out well on film.
2: So talk about that. Um, you got the screen uh, screenplay completed, and uh, I, I love uh, providing transparency as, as often as we can as far as the the screenwriting process, getting it from they, they call it from script to screen. Um, you, you have it on paper, you, you have it edited, you have it, you know, maybe uh, reviewed. Uh, the next step is how the hell are we going to pay for this thing? Uh, we we, 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 we uh, teased Kevin Smith's intro, but talk about putting together not only Indiegogo campaign because literally anyone can put together crowdfunding, but you put together a successful one where you achieved 400% of your stated goal. Talk about what went through in order to make it that successful, or was it just Kevin Smith?
4: (laughs) (laughs) I think that definitely, uh, played into it. Um, but we lucked out early, uh, and we came across our co-producer. Um, he's pretty much my finance guy. His name's Abel Barry. And, um, I'm sure you've, if, if you look anywhere online, he's, you know, his, his name's on a lot of projects, but he's just one of those guys that knows the ins and outs and, uh, you know, crowdfunding is hard and um, a lot of people, you know, can't quite figure out how to launch it. So we brought him on board because he's one of those guys that just has it mastered and figured out. And it was a collaborative effort with him. And we just tried to, uh, we tried to always show what we had going and, and build excitement. We started building uh fan base early around it. And I like to make my projects uh, almost feel community owned and let everybody kind of be involved and have a part of it. And I think that's a, a huge deal is early engagement and authentic engagement. Like if you're excited about it and you let other people come in and touch it and, and feel ownership of it, I think uh, I think you you'll, you'll find a lot more success that way. So we kind of we kind of opened it up and let everybody kind of come on board with this and share in our excitement and it, it paid off.
0: Well, when what, what i take a look at this film the uh at macabre it kind of threw me back there's a period of the late 1980s where you had there was a lot of independence uh even you know small budget uh you know films that tried to be different that were going straight to video and were trying to be different from the slasher uh genre that was so heavy in uh, uh in on the big screen and this film kind of um these were there were some small films that were doing stuff regarding demons and, and demonic presences and 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 so forth and you would sometimes you had uh, directors that were trying to do these uh films as tax write-offs and uh and uh uh and and things like that um but they were at least trying to be creative with the super uh with uh as i said the demonic presence the supernatural uh themes and so forth this is kind of i think there's a little bit of that element here and was that something that you were kind of uh you know looking for you've got a pretty uh, effective creature makeup uh you know for this demon and uh, uh and so forth and you have essentially you have a demon that's forcing these characters to uh you know to to tell these stories and, uh, and all this stuff. And that's how the anthology works. Is there a bit of love for the 80s there?
4: Um, a Thousand percent. I think you nailed it on the head. That's uh, definitely my era and my genre. Um, I'm a big 80s horror guy. Um, you see a lot of campaigns kind of trying to use that in there. And they make an awesome movie. And, and they're awesome producers. But I don't think they ever quite bring that element i don't know if something that was missing for me and uh it's definitely the thing that i love the most is the the supernatural and the 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 creature effects and the throwback vibe of that time so it was definitely uh what i was aiming for we almost wanted it to have a tales from the crypt kind of vibe mm-hmm. um you know cuz that was one of the shows that i really cut my teeth on uh growing up and i just sure. uh, definitely it was a huge love letter to, to that time and that style.
0: That's great. You know that and I, I I get dismayed because I think a lot of young filmmakers now who are trying to do these retro eighties immediately think slasher as the slasher film was the only genre uh that was going on in the eighties. And uh yeah, I like to tell those people that that no, my favorite eighties horror film is the thing.
4: Oh, absolutely. My
0: favorite, yeah. another favorite 80s horror film is Fright Night. None of oh, those have, oh, have yeah. to do with slasher. None of those. They have to do with creatures and so So I like... Poltergeist was in the 80s, right? Yeah. 82. Yeah, yeah. one of my favorites. Sure. sure. But I mean, I I, I, like, I like to say to people like yourself, that you know, Eric, thank you for, you know, for helping us to remember that there were more than just uh, guys in ski masks, uh, you know, with butcher knives
4: yeah absolutely
0: as, as creatures you know.
4: definitely and it's 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 those uh those obscure movies kind of that you were talking about that uh you know that were that my favorites I still collect them I still love them I still watch them I drive my wife crazy make her watch them um but that's 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 what it's all about for me those were uh oh. and I would go to the video store every weekend and just rent Armfuls of them, and go back and rewatch them, and watch them, and learn everything sure. about them. So yeah, they're they're definitely uh, definitely where my heart's at, and that's when I can't
0: I can't tell you how many times I've watched Fright Night over the uh, over the years.
4: Oh yeah, classic! <laughs> I love it. <laughs> the creatures were so <laughs> awesome in that movie, most definitely.
0: Oh God, the Richard Edlund effects, yeah. But anyway, no, the, the Macabre though is is kind of that throwback, and I appreciate it just on that alone.
2: I appreciate the poster, and I'd say this has probably been as I, I love movie posters. Um, one of these days, I'm gonna have to do a 360 at my office. It's wall to wall movie posters and, uh fantasy, aside, thing, but it's mostly horror. The um, thing, the thing, thing come right on. Behind me, right next to Halloween
4: uh, oh, and, and Telltale tell, tell The
2: Walking Dead. Uh, but I absolutely love um, horror posters from the 80s. I love the, the VHS covers from the 80s because um, they they were just so creepy. Maybe because I was a kid and one of my first, uh, I don't know if I told you guys this story, one of my first impressions of horror was um, going to this little carousel of VHS movies at a liquor store my dad used to go to. That was across the park from where I used to play. Uh, it was called the Tank Park in Redwood City. I'm sure it's still there. Um, but across the street, a little bit down the ways, there was a liquor store and you go there buy you know uh, booze, whatever, cigarettes. and they would have this little section of movies. And um, you know with VHS the the cover was you know front and front and center right? It was the first thing you saw. Um, it's when where the producers and filmmakers they spent all their time creating because that's the first thing you saw, right was the splashy cover and it worked, right? Because it was huge, it was—I don't have the dimensions in front of me—but um, some of the coolest covers I remember seeing, and um, some of the scariest ones too, right? Because like some of them are just frightening. You're like, oh my god, what is that? I was like, my first literal impression of horror was VHS movie covers, right? There's a liquor store, and, and that was probably when I was like maybe five or six, right? I'm forty-two, and I can still remember it. Um, but I enjoy seeing throwback movie posters from the 80s uh last week we had mask of the devil from richard roundtree uh which was a really cool cover uh that episode just released uh today may 4th um and today we have the macabre right by you eric and it's another really cool ass uh movie poster um I-, I just love those i i can't get enough of them Uh, So you see the cool movie poster with the throwback film. Uh, I'm not just talking about the Adobe Premiere grain that they throw over, you know, 1080p. I'm talking about the actual effort into making it look like it came from the 80s. Um, To me, that gets the nostalgia going. Even I haven't seen the film yet, but I want to see this film. And that will be a question that we have for you uh, coming later. Uh, But yeah, seeing that cover and the teaser, uh, that has me wanting to watch it.
1: Uh, nine Anthony, and now i got to go see the poster. <laughs> nice. I, I I'll think I'll skip the movie, but just look at the poster and go like, Eve, this is so pretty. I, oh, I forgot. It's a movie. Never mind.
4: <laughs> and I, I'm glad that it resonates because, uh, you know, I think that is something that's lost. And with my projects going forward, you know, we had to, on the first movie, um, we had to build our company from scratch so we had to buy all of our gear uh cameras lenses lights and then we had to also shoot the movie and get it post-produced so the money that we had to spend a lot of it had to go to gear to build the company and things like that but going forward um, everything i can get on screen um, that's the reason we bought everything so we don't have to rent but where I'm going with that is um, I do think that the poster and the music and a lot of those elements that made movies awesome when we were kids and we were younger, I think a lot of that's gone now. And so, you know, I want to have incredible soundtracks and I loved going to the video store and seeing the video boxes. So the artwork super important to me. And it's, uh, it's almost an, an effort, a conscious effort to... Uh, sustain and continue those traditions that are kind of lost from the from the old vhs store days and i think that uh people who are fans of that are really going to like what we're doing going forward because we're going to be able to put so much more money into the actual production that we're going to fill that vacuum and uh what's really cool is i'm getting to work with a lot of the guys that made those movies back then and we've become good friends and Um, I don't know if I can quite say a whole lot yet but uh, it's been mentioned to me that they want to put me in a documentary discussing a lot of those old 80s movies and um, you know various different things that went wrong on set because uh, and I was so honored they said that I was an upcoming filmmaker that's preserving and contributing to that genre so that meant the world to me and if that's true then that's the best thing that could have ever been said to me and that came out of this. So I I really hope that it continues to resonate and people see that we're trying to produce these things that have the cool boxes and all those sorts of things.
0: Well, I'm going to, I'm going to top, I'm going to, you know, top on to what Anthony was, uh, was talking about. And one of the things that's impressed me about the macabre is the, the trailer uh, that you have. He talks about uh, posters being, you know, being enough to grab you uh, as far as, you know, being stylish enough back in the day, back in the eighties, I'm going to say that for me, there was nothing that grabbed me more to go see a film than the trailer. And it's, what's lacking, uh, you know, today, especially the trailer with the, uh, you know, with the, the strong voiceover narration, uh, you know, uh, that you uh, would see, you know, you uh, you know, somebody would say from Universal Pictures and Amblin Entertainment comes a tale of horror. You know, that kind of. Uh, yeah, that kind I, of I, I do miss that as well. That one that. voice guy. Yeah. He does parodies yeah. mostly nowadays. Yeah. But the one voice it. guy. You know what I'm talking about. But in in this one here, in the, in the macabre, uh, it is that trailer that grabs you and says, you know, come join us for a rocking bitch ass fucking good time.
4: Thank you and so
0: much. And I, li- I liked how that, you know, just how that plays, uh, how that plays out. You've got some cool, uh, cool effects, but we don't have those kind of trailers anymore. It's all just scenes from the film and scenes from the film that give away too much.
3: Or scenes from the film that aren't actually in the film anymore. They
4: got- right. <laughs> I hate that. Right. i see you right. Star
0: Wars, Rogue One. Uh,
2: yeah.
4: Star really Trek did that cool. a lot
0: too. So, Yeah.
4: Yeah i've become pretty good friends with uh mick strawn who has had his hand in some of the most iconic horror films of all time you know he did nightmare on elm street uh we've had had mick
0: on our show too yeah yeah and he
4: was he was describing those days making those trailers intentionally misleading putting stuff that they knew (laughs) weren't in the movie to make them grabbers, and I, I thought that was cool because you always like wonder, like what, like did they do that on purpose? And then he'll laugh, and and, and he's like, yeah. <laughs> I honestly
2: right don't it. mind watching bits in the trailer that are not going to be in the movie, as long as it's part of the narrative in some way. You know, <laughs> maybe it's a deleted scene that previously deleted. Scene, like this is really cool, but we just couldn't fit it. But it, it involves some of the characters, right? Maybe it showed off maybe some some context where. You're getting a sense of the film because you know the trailer. At the end of the day, it has to sell the sizzle, right? It has to entice audiences to to go out into theaters or or rent it or or whatever. Um, so I don't mind you know um, seeing stuff that was maybe misleading, but it's still part of it, right? Now, if you're gonna show me a character in the trailer, there's nowhere to be seen in the movie. That's gonna <laughs> piss me off, right? Like that's me, you're in, in a scene where I'm like. I'm looking for that one scene, that one scenery in the trailer, but it's nowhere to be found in the movie. Oh yeah. Cause nowadays they blame it on third party, you know, trailer marketing firms, right? But we just give them the footage and they they come up with this stuff and they put it out there. We have no idea. I'm I'm sure you guys had some idea, right? I can't imagine that they wouldn't ask for your sign off before you guys release
0: it, right? so I I'm going to tell you that they Star Trek fans do not like scenes showing up in the trailer that are not in the film. <laughs> you will have Trek fans, badger to death, directors uh, and uh, and so forth at convention, saying, I saw this scene in the trailer. Why is it in the film? It needed to be in the film maybe not a scene maybe a clip maybe an action
2: pose or something exploding or right but I think uh, when I was alluding to Star Wars Rogue One it was it was actually a pretty long drawn out uh scene that they showed in the trailer of the the main protagonist approaching a TIE fighter at the end of the bridge right all slow and I think it was at the end so you're thinking oh shit that's gonna be the end of the movie and it was never there right it was it was fabricated so one of those, like, gotcha moments, like, ah, ha, ha you're expecting that. It doesn't man, actually man, yeah. throw I-, off, I don't mind Anthony. seeing little clips here and there that are, not I-, I guess, you know, there ha- there's a happy medium, Kevin, and you know, there's there's you, no, like, there's saying, it. I absolutely don't want to see you. a single second, and there's me saying, I don't mind, you know, just a little bit, but don't overdo it.
0: I'm saying, me personally, I, I don't mind it, uh, you know, really, because it has no bearing if it's not in the film, yeah. it really doesn't have a bearing on it. And I can understand when a director says, this doesn't work so much uh, as this other scene. So let's take, let's leave this one out and yeah. keep this one in. I don't have a problem with it. I just make a joke about Trek fans are so nitpicky about yeah. everything. Let's get back to Eric, though. <laughs> yeah, Eric. Um,
4: yes. <laughs> I, w- I wanted to get back on
2: the journey of the yes. macabre because it's a fascinating one. Um, so you've completed the film. Uh, you have a successful, uh, crowdfunding, uh, you completed, uh, photography, um, your, your next step, um, is submitting it to film festivals. And this is the part where I wanted to, want to get, you know, your, your full recollection of what happened. You submitted it out and you got accepted to Dread Central's Shock Fest. How did that go?
4: Yeah. So, um, Shock Fest is, uh, a festival that a lot of the people, uh, that, Run in my circle, um, love, and um, it seems to have a really, it seems to have a really good uh, group around it. Um, I know the people that run it are really awesome and really passionate, and you know about what they do, and um, that's kind of where we want to stick. That's why you won't see me really reaching out to just everybody, just for the sake of like throwing it out there to different critics that I don't know or, you know, people like that, because to us. It's if, if our people like it and we're making our people happy, you know, people that want to support us, that's who we aim for. And it just seemed like that festival was run by and participated. Uh, and the people who participated in it were kind of in the same vein. So I was like, yeah, let's let's definitely submit to that one. Everybody said it was great. Um, so we submitted and we got um, we got approved and we thought that was awesome. So um, they were having these kind of pre-production meetings where they would get with the filmmakers and tell us what's coming up. And they mentioned that they wanted to talk to like seven of the filmmakers. And there's, there's going understand there's thousands of people that, um, that submit to this and they wanted to talk to like seven. And then it turned out they wanted to have me on the actual show. So I was like, Oh, wow, that's really cool. So that, you know, getting to represent the macabre with screen time on the show was a really big deal. And uh, I guess it turned out that um, we had been not only selected, but that we won the best cult film. You know, we beat some films that were hundreds of thousands of dollars and, and a lot of really experienced filmmakers. So it was an honor to to be selected. And then the people we were up against were, you know, have all these huge projects behind them. So it was just uh, mind-blowing, humbling, and, and awesome. So it just really, it, it worked out to, to we, we we won.
0: I'm just looking at the uh the Shock uh the Shockfest uh uh event you were on a same schedule uh a dais perhaps as Richard Grieco and Lloyd Kaufman. Ooh. That kind of talent.
4: Yeah, and uh that was we were competing <laughs> against them for for best cult. So that was uh definitely Got not it. lost on us and uh it was yeah, it was incredible. It was one of those true moments where my jaw hit the floor and we were just we were thrilled. It was uh, uh, a, a an honor to compete with the Kaufmans and and the the mega stars that were attached to the other sh- uh, the other movies. And yeah, it was it was a, a dream come true. So it was it was it blew our minds.
0: I just wanted to be able to have an opportunity to say, "You could suck it, Twenty One Jump Street." <laughs>
1: <Never mind. laughs> yeah, thanks. <bang. laughs> I didn't see it now. Sucker Grigo coming <laughs> after
4: us. <laughs> yeah, it was, it was a good time. I mean there's so yeah. many so many awesome movies in that and so many awesome filmmakers. So just to 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 be on the same playground and, and be in the same game with um uh, you know such such talent like you named, it was it was mm-hmm. a really awesome experience.
2: Now here's a stage where um where most um filmmakers uh, having a, a successful run w- we've spoken to here um they'll either um put the film on a physical format um and send it out uh or you know make an online store or you know put in stores or they will uh, submit their film to an online streaming platform like Amazon Prime Tubi um there's just there's, there's a whole list I, I have them all in my Roku I can't even watch them film rise, horror, Um, you know, any number of distributors, uh, they come calling the minute they see that you've been accepted to a film festival, right? I'm sure you've gotten contacted by quite a few. Um, We couldn't find this film, uh, we're talking about the Macabre still online, uh, you know, through the the normal channels, but we see that you did uh, press the Blu-ray and you had it featured in a store. So did you wanna talk a little bit about uh, maybe sharing it to a public forum or your decision uh, for putting in Blu-ray in a store and maybe still considering where you wanna put it online?
4: Yeah, so we actually, uh, the weird thing is we got got picked up and we got worldwide representation from a a distributor. Um, And that's kind of about it. We, you know, we're kind of new to that whole world. I'm not going to name them, but we learned a lot since. Oh, I've been there. I've been there. You know, and we um, we will be doing things a lot different going forward. So mm-hmm. uh, I think it, it came with, with uh, experience. We didn't expect, you know, each step of this film was way bigger than we ever thought or imagined or dreamed. So we didn't, I don't even know that we really thought through that we were going to get a worldwide rep, much less what that meant and kind of, um, you know, what to expect and what to demand. Um, so it may be tied up with those guys for a little while. I do still have hard copies and I'll definitely, I'll send you guys links if you want to see the digital, but we still make it available. Um, but it's supposed to be (laughs) from, from what we understood. And I'm sure it's the case with, most other places you go but it, it should be everywhere right now um but you know that's the yeah reverse distributor kind of scenario and that could be a whole nother me.
2: conversation is um yeah uh you know there, there's and i can speak from experience here i won't name the distributor that uh, i i reached agreement to and i, I had to have my shorts uh, basically under contract for for two years and they did absolutely nothing for um yeah it it it, it's it's so when you're you're a new filmmaker and you're you're just happy to you know be featured in film festivals and you're like okay i got a blu-ray um i've also want to put it out online and they reach out to you you know um i didn't i never even heard of them they reached out to me um and you're excited like oh my god look at you know the distribution deal and you kind of maybe check them out a little bit you go on their website and you know, they have films and you know, they say i can get you into here and here and here and i can put in front of this audience right it sounds good right it's exactly what you want to hear especially since you've already done all the work right uh you're maybe already thinking of the next project uh and you're saying you know i just want to put this out there i want to distribute it to the masses and if i can make a few coins off of it in the process
0: i'm happy with that definitely and it's a
4: it's a it's definitely an industry-wide thing especially in indie film um uh, joe castro has led a mini yes. revolution online with his facebook group um if you're a filmmaker and you're looking to to kind of learn these lessons through people who have already learned them for you he's got a group called uh, Dist- distributors to stay away from and why and it's a world of information Ooh, wow. so that sounds um, very nice
2: joe yes it does yes. i'm wondering if mine shows up there
4: <laughs> yeah so it's definitely um something to look into and like you say um you know the one thing getting the distribution deal did do for us it gave us that extra prestige so i won't say it was worthless all around because it it showed that we were serious filmmakers that we were capable so um while it didn't deliver What we expected on the market stage um i guess getting that deal coming out as first timers um did do a lot for us it kind of built our name up a little bit but yeah that's that's the reason you're not seeing it yet um i'm thinking we're gonna have it back hopefully even around when maybe we release infernal and uh and we're gonna do things a lot different because you know um one thing i've learned in this whole deal like when I put it in my team's hands or my own hands, we get things done quickly and effectively. So we, we just won't be so quick to kind of rush, you know, to, to those kind of sources, but it's definitely something we plan to remedy and and definitely get the macabre out because we have people ask for it all the time.
2: Yeah. There you Thank go. you for
0: sharing this story, by the way. I appreciate it.
4: Yeah, absolutely.
0: So, I have a question on a little different uh tack uh for you, Eric. Um you got your chops uh, working with uh, Full Moon Features and Charles Band. I was just wondering what what kind of uh, that be that's kind of like a school experience uh, in uh, Full Moon. Garuda, they in, were in, huge in the nineties. Yeah, uh, and you did some. You know, you were around on the sets for for Full Moon. Uh, that had to have been a learning experience. What did you get from uh, from that? We're talking Charles Band here.
4: Yeah, actually, a lot of kind of probably how I model my sets and my pre-production. And, you know, that's where I got my director of photography, Howard Wexler, is Charlie's DP. And we met on set during that first movie and we just hit it off like instantly. And he's been such an amazing mentor, a good friend. So I really got to learn from the best. I mean, those guys know how to, to shoot on modest budgets quickly that's how i think we can pull a feature off in 10 days and and make it still look awesome but i've the connections and the experience i got from those movies alone was was almost immeasurable but it was definitely a an awesome experience because i was a full moon kid like i loved puppet masters and demonic toys and
0: and the doll man yeah the doll man absolutely
4: Oh, I, I, I got to work with uh, Albert Pyun, who actually did Doll Man, so I got to work mm-hmm. with those guys. Yeah, so I mean, it's a—that's uh, definitely where my uh, I cut my teeth big time and really learned the business of being on a professional set, and uh, that's where I got a lifelong friendship with Howard. So that that couldn't have been more valuable as bringing him on board. I'm sure that
2: transfers right over uh, into maybe. Um, guiding or mentoring you know actors and and other maybe stagehands PAs uh audio guys who it is their first time kind of being on a set like you're because you learn that from full moon you can project that kind of professionalism and that kind of organization and it's just going to bleed into them so that's uh, you're just passing it along maybe you don't even know it
4: absolutely like I was just a PA when I started and uh but I, I had goals and I knew that, uh, and if you're listening and you're, you're taking a PA role for the first time, um, I used that as an opportunity to explore all the jobs on set. I watched who was doing the jobs that I wanted. And then in, in between doing what I was doing, my production assistant work, I was approaching Howard and I was asking him about cameras and I was asking him all these questions and he pulled me aside. He's like, so what do you want to do? And I was like, what do you mean? He's like, well, I know you don't want to be a PA. This is a stepping stone. You're, you're going to make movies. I can tell you have a crew here. (laughs) Nice to meet you. What do you want to do? Let's get you on that job. So I started running slate and working with Howard Moore and became the uh, camera assistant with him. And yeah, just kind of progressed. Like I used that opportunity to, to educate quickly and get my hands on and, and put myself in front of the positions that I wanted. And that's what Full Moon definitely opened up for me.
0: And you get to see Charlie. You get to see Charlie at work.
4: You get to see uh, Charlie you know. at work. I got to work with Danny Draven, who directed Ouija's. Yes. So I got to work on that movie. So it was kind of Danny Draven's camp, um, Charlie Bann's camp. So the the education and the experience was just incredible. And I was super fortunate to land those films.
1: It's great, Eric. Uh, I have a question about the macabre. Can you tell people a little bit about the storyline so that those who are wanting to see this film?
4: Yeah, absolutely. Can... So, um, the story, uh, the the wrap wraparound, the, the story that kind of continues throughout the entire film that we cut away from to jump into the segments, it's basically about a uh, a wealthy girl you know she's kind of bullied at school so she sets up this plan where she invites the bullies to her house for a party um to see a a local magician here in vegas um so halfway through the party they do this uh hypnosis trick supposed to be a party trick which triggers this girl realizing that in her past life she was a a witch so this demon kind of takes over her and she forces all the people at her party excuse me i've got a dry throat here so she forces everybody to uh tell these scary stories for their lives pretty much and if they the story's not scary enough scary enough she kills them so that's how we kind of break off into the the different segments so it's uh just a fun supernatural monster movie where we got to touch on every genre because i kind of wanted to show that we could do slasher creature supernatural so we Built the movie to kind of show that we could uh we could do all the genres of horror, so we used it as a a way to kind of touch and and do it all in one movie. Hey, and also
1: got... Eric, it also reminds me of a great '80s film, and Kevin will probably mention it. The movie Waxwork.
4: Love it, absolutely love <laughs> Waxwork. Thank you, so That was a huge compliment.
0: Yeah, no, exactly, and like like waxwork i will say that uh the macabre has a little bit a certain sense of humor about uh about it you don't take things entirely too you know too seriously and i think that's a was that a overt thing was that a concerted effort on your part uh and the uh and the scriptor's part
4: yeah you know um tell us from the crypt if if and that's the reference i keep going back to mm-hmm. but mm-hmm. it had that unintentional intentional humor I think in it as sure. well sure. And so it's definitely something that we wanted to to kind of have you know we, we took it serious that we wanted it to look good um, but we also wanted to have fun with it and to have it hit those same notes that a lot of those movies of that time did so we we definitely embraced and understood what we were making and I think it was a huge part of it and I think that's a lot of what people have told me they loved about it so it, it was definitely something we uh we nurtured and allowed to happen
0: well that's cool and i think it works uh you know very uh very well with this uh, uh with this film i uh i like any film that dares any horror film that dares to you have just a little bit of comedy to leaven things up a bit
3: from what i've seen in this movie it looks like something. Uh, it looks like a party I want to go to. because <laughs> you know. I don't party gets bombed and you pass out on the couch, but to uh, uh, to summon a demon and, and uh, the demon I have to admit in the, the picture looks fun. Love the full yeah. demon suit.
4: And so. that's going to be a part of our brand: is the the big creatures and the the crazy effects. Um, I want people to know that when they put on a film that Drake and I produced, that that's what you're gonna get. And you'll see it's gonna get bigger and bigger. The more we go, we're gonna hopefully have bigger budgets, but that's that's gonna be our calling card is the the awesome effects, full creatures, monsters, rubber monsters. That's, that's awesome. what it's all about. So we're definitely gonna be kicking that up uh, big, big time. Even on this next coming up one, it's, it's the star of the show is the monster. So it's gonna be loaded with those sorts of things going forward.
3: You know, we're a big uh, fan of practical effects, and, and whenever I talk about effects on my show, my worst insult is that it, it looks like something the Sci-Fi Channel made. So please don't look
4: like <laughs> something off the Sci-Fi Channel. Keep yeah. it real. Yeah, the the next movie we're doing, it's gonna be uh, it's gonna be pretty gritty. You know, it's gonna be pretty vulgar. It's almost uh, gonna have the type dialogue you would expect from the movie Super Bad. Uh, it's kind of idle hands meets deathgasm it's going to be a load of fun, huge huge effects heavy metal music i mean it's it's going to be uh one of the most fun movies i think of the year i think people are going to really love this
1: thank you heavy metal
0: poisoning
1: thank you
0: i'm glad you have a reference to idle hands because i think that is one of the most underrated uh, tongue-in-cheek horrors uh you know of uh certainly like the last 20 plus years
4: definitely Uh, that is
0: a lot of fun
4: absolutely and it's it's one of those influential movies like two of my characters um that you'll see in infernal actually um definitely were influenced by that movie heavily so it's it's going to be definitely a a lot of nods to that one in in the coming up movie i think the effects are really gonna blow people's minds bringing joe castro along just seeing what he's brewing up and what we've been talking about i think it's going to be uh another one of those industry shockers when we get done with this when we got a just the tealer the teaser trailer we're about to shoot uh, at the end of the month is going to be as loaded as the macabre was just in our 30 seconds to a minute so we're really gonna we're really gonna flex hard on this one and really really up the ante and bring all those elements that people loved about the macabre a
1: Yes, do us a favor. Give Joe Castro our best. Absolutely, Absolutely. I will.
4: An-
0: another favorite guest of our show.
4: He's awesome. We're uh, <laughs> we're super excited to work with him, and and he's just so talented. I think he's gonna just kick things up a thousand percent on these productions going forward. I think he's everything we've been looking for, and he really seems to get what we're going for with with these projects. So yeah, I think it's going to be a, a a partnership that's really going to be create something really special.
3: Um, Joe, did
2: you have something you wanted to add there, I think? Nope, you still there?
0: <laughs> well, uh, I'll go ahead if, if Joe doesn't. Uh, uh, I'm Joe, you here. There? I'm oh, okay. sorry. I
1: think he's back. I, I, I was muted, and it's like... Oh, no All worries. of a sudden, I, I came back and I heard my name and I'm like, what, I know. what well, did we I sub- do? We
0: summon you like Candyman and you come. <laughs> <laughs> That's right. True.
1: You know? That works. <laughs> me. I know, I'm not Candyman. But I can play one on TV. No, um, uh, so uh, my question is, where can people find you on the interweb?
4: Yeah, so um, I put a lot of the movie stuff specifically on Instagram. Um uh, that's Grimehouse Films. I pretty much exclusively put uh behind the scenes photos and cool stuff on there. Um I've got Facebook. Um they can just look up. I think Eric Mathis Grimehouse Films is the page there. I kind of you know try to post there a good bit. We have a private um production group for infernal it is searchable i think you just look up uh infernal production group if you want to kind of keep up with that movie so definitely there's we definitely have a presence around on uh on on social media so
2: nice 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 Um, yes but
0: are you going to be getting uh kevin smith to like you know do more intro videos for (laughs) you know for your facebook page and so forth
4: you know we've, we've met so many awesome people that's uh literally these days my wife and I are always laughing like we never know <laughs> who's gonna who's gonna come along and do stuff for us because we've we've made so many awesome friends like of, of that level so and so many people um for my, to, to our fortune love to offer to help us out so it's I think you're gonna see a lot of really awesome people come forward and you were talking earlier about the how you love the the trailer voice guy who does the mm-hmm. Now, well, I'll uh, I'll break the news here. So, that guy's actually done the voiceover for our upcoming trailer. So, that's oh, holy awesome.
0: shit! There, <laughs> there we go, go. See, ah, oh, see, there we go.
2: What's that guy's name, by the way? We're, we're, I have to give him a shout out. That guy's just yeah. been so cool for so long.
4: Yeah, I mean, I would have to go through my emails. Drake actually hooked that up as well. So, I, I kind of got caught with my pants down on that one, but he is awesome.
1: Oh, we all have that problem here. Oh yeah. <laughs> and by the way, yes, he could do narrate our
4: intro. Yes, yeah,
2: awesome to he the was,
4: Grim and Bloody
3: Podcast.
2: Oh, that would be awesome.
4: So we're definitely going to be uh, uh, delivering on the goods. Like I, I was sitting here grinning really big when you guys were talking about most <laughs> things that you love because I, was, I had this secret in my head and I was like, yeah, we're 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 doing all of that. So it made me happy to know that. Um. There's definitely hearts in the same place that we are with how we're going to be producing these things going forward. So that, that makes me very excited.
2: That's awesome. Um, well, well, I want to thank you very much, Eric, for uh, stopping by and uh, speaking with us and uh, taking the time and uh, uh, going through all the steps of the journey, because it, it was a fascinating one. And uh, I, I'm looking forward to watching this film. Yeah, the trailer looked awesome um just seeing the accolades that you've been picking up so far um it, it's all of that just means that this is something quality that I, I can't wait to uh you know share it and um whenever you have news that it's officially out there you let us know because we're gonna put it out there on our social media and our website letting everyone know hey go watch this right now it's available and if you still have it on blu-ray uh, available for purchase you let us know too
4: Thank you so much, guys. I really appreciate that. This has been a blast. And uh, yeah, thank you so much for, for letting me come on here and talk about it. No, and when you get so finished welcome.
0: with the Infernals, come on back.
4: Definitely. Yeah. I sure will. Anytime you guys. Yeah, I would I would love to. You guys have been awesome. And
0: bring, and bring, the, and bring the, on, the narrator yeah. with you. Bring the trailer <laughs> narrator <laughs> with you. Do we'll a, a copy, some T-shirts, all that like good stuff. We'll Absolutely. let him. We'll let him open the show. You know, just uh, <laughs> in a world where voice means
1: everything. <laughs> That's
3: right.
0: Yeah. Well, Al,
3: you want to go ahead and take us out? Well, of course. Thank you very much for joining us, Mr. Mathis, and for all of our fans out there. Remember, watch horror films. Keep America strong. That's our show, guys. Have a good one.
0: Bye, bye.
4: Awesome. Thank you, guys.